You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Morning, Westside. I want to read to you a verse uh, God put on my heart from Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And I just wanted to highlight one thing for, for some people, and I'm one of them. The words rooted and established aren't necessarily comfortable words. Sounds a little bit like constricting. Um, but I think uh, it's a good exhortation. It's a good uh, reminder to us that we actually have to allow ourselves to become rooted and established. Uh, it's a good thing coming here. Uh, be- let yourself uh, become rooted and established in community um, because that is, it says established in the faith, built up. And that is our purpose here. Our purpose here is to become rooted and established and to be built up in our faith. And uh, just, it says, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And I want to reassure you that God's character doesn't change. His actions don't change. If you don't know how he's working in your life, he is working in your life. He is doing things. He is working on your behalf. Sometimes we don't see it, uh, but he is. Uh, he doesn't change. And so it, he's the kind of guy who continues. He's not the kind of guy who's there one day and he's gone the next day. Um, and we need to discipline ourselves to, th- to thank him. Uh, there are things that he's doing in each and every one of our lives, even if we're going through a tough time, that are worthy of thanksgiving. Um, and so we need to discipline ourselves to see and, and see those things and change our lens so that we can see what God is doing and thank him for it. Um, and so I just want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we do thank you, Lord. At many different times in our life, you are always, you're always working on our behalf. You're always working in us, and we just want to thank you, Lord. Even in seasons that's difficult, and some of these seasons it's easy to thank you, and some of them it's difficult, but Lord Jesus, we want to discipline ourselves to do it regardless. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you that you uh, don't leave us on our own. We thank you that even when we go through trying times, Lord, you take us through those things in order to build character, in order to build capacity in us, Lord. It would be way worse to be discarded by you. You would never do that. You never do. You are worthy of thanksgiving. Your character is impeccable, Lord Jesus. Lord, you are the pinnacle of all creation. You are preeminent above all. And Lord, we love you. And we say thank you so much for everything that you do. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to recognize those things. Amen. The Lord your God loves you so much. And Isaiah 43 says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not be drowned. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Some of you are going through trials right now, and those are just things you need to walk through, but press into God. He says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. He will not let you be overwhelmed by your circumstances. He is with you. For others, there's a time right now that these fires you're walking through are refining fires trust that he has your best in mind keep your head up keep your eyes focused on him and walk through these you are going to come out better in the end the first and greatest commandment is to love god why because his first and greatest pleasure is loving us he doesn't love the angels he doesn't love the creation he made he loves us he loves you Even though God is love, he chooses to love you. 
He's like the young man who's hopelessly in love with his girl. And he plans and dreams about their future life together. One day, when the timing is just right, he kneels down on one knee at the cross and says, Robert, Jim, whatever your name is, will you marry me? I want to spend the rest of my days with you. I love you so much that I never, ever want to be apart from you. You may feel, how can you love me? I've been so unlovely. But he keeps on loving you, pursuing you. He'll never stop loving you, but it's completely up to you to say yes to your suitor. God kneels before you on his knee at the cross and says, will you be my bride? What will your answer be? Will you say yes to the one who loves you, or will you turn away from such a great love? I just wanted to um, allow us to respond to Robert's word. It was an invitation uh, for salvation. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, he wants to know you. He wants to forgive you. and He wants to love you. And the word says that um, everybody here, we've all sinned. And we just need, you need just to confess that and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And, and Lord, I don't know all the answers, but Lord, I trust and I want to believe that you came and that you died for me and you rose again and helped me to know you and to follow you. And I pray that if you're here, the Lord orders our footsteps, says the word of God. And you're here because he's ordering your footsteps. And I pray that today would be the day for you to come in a relationship with a mighty, wonderful, awesome God. You know, it's a great thing to be able to say, I need you, Lord. And he wants us to say that to him because we do need him to pass out of death into life and then to walk with him. So it's good to see all of you today. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you are a new creation. We're in week number two. We're in week number two in our series on Romans. And I'm really excited about um, this, going through this book together. I'm excited about what God is doing here at Westside. I'm excited. I have a lot of friends who lead churches. And I've heard over the years that a lot of, a lot of churches have summer slumps. Let me tell you. Uh, because of what Jesus has done for us, we had a summer surge this year, and uh, our attendance actually increased over the summer, which is almost unheard of. And so I just, I just know that God is up to something. I have no idea what it is, uh, but he is up to something. There's like a twinkle in his eye that, uh, it, you know, on the outside it could throw us, but on the inside we know that he has a calling on us as individuals, and he has a calling on us as a church to impact this region and the regions around the world. So part of this study in here is to get deeply rooted in our faith. Part of the study is to help you, if you haven't given your life to Christ yet, which was encouraged this morning, uh, to answer some of those questions that you may have, but so that we can all take our next step in Jesus. I'm very, very excited about what God is doing. So remember that Romans is about the gospel, and the gospel is about Jesus. All right. So last week we talked about uh, bond slaves, what that was when Paul said he was a slave of Christ, where a bond slave would choose to remain with their master when they would be set free. And so when we're set free, uh, we 
choose, because we love him, to stay in his household, so to speak. So we are bond servants or bond slaves of Jesus. And how Paul was uh, an apostle to the Gentiles and how uh, the gospel always, always, always changes lives. When you encounter Jesus, you'll never, ever be the same. So I want to uh, go a little bit more than one verse today. I'm going to read 15 verses here out of Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to comment on them as we go through. And then I'm going to key in on one verse and give us some practical uh, encouraging application today. All right? So, Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts, open our eyes. Because your promise was that the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, you, O oh God, would lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray that as we get through your word today, that you would reveal stuff to us that we had seen maybe a million times, but today it becomes alive in us. Father, we don't want to go home the same way we came. We want to go home changed and more like Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son, Jesus. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would come through the line of David. And a thousand years later, Jesus was born. In fact, when Jesus was born, and when he lived his life and died, there's probably um, about 90-some uh, significant prophecies in the Old Testament about his life. There's 33 major prophecies about his life, one of which he would be born in, in the lineage of David, Another one was he would be born in Bethlehem. Another one, uh, he would be called a Nazarene. Another one, he would be crucified. And, and the Romans hadn't even conquered the world yet. Crucifixion hadn't been, been invented yet. And yet the Old Testament prophesied all these things about Jesus, uh, that he would be uh, crucified, uh, that he would be uh, the one that would atone for our sins. He would be the Messiah, the, the, the deliverer. All these things were prophesied. That's, that's an amazing uh, thing that we see in Scripture. And so that's the gospel, that Jesus came, as was prophesied, that he lived a sinless life, as was prophesied, that he died and rose again, and he's coming back again for us someday. That is the good news. The good news is not something that you study. Uh, the good news is something you declare. Uh, it's a declaration. And so I love that. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere Gentiles are simply people who weren't Jewish. Uh, what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included. Aren't you glad that God was the original author of inclusivity? That he opened the, this invitation for you. You're included among those Gentiles who've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. This is great, great news. Amen. If you're a believer in Christ, I encourage you to make sure that you have that verse memorized. If you have never, ever, ever, ever memorized a Bible verse, memorize John 3.16. Uh, if you're a brand new believer, you can use that verse, just like the video showed, to, to lead your friends or family members uh, to Christ. It's, it's a really uh, great thing. So I encourage you uh, to get into God's Word in that respect. Through Christ... God has given us the privilege and authority so that they'll believe and you're included. 
verse 7. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All through the New Testament, whenever Paul writes a letter, he always includes uh, this in, in his salutation or benediction or prayer, grace and peace. Uh, grace and peace are huge blessings that we can bestow on one another. We a- absolutely need the grace of God for our, our lives. Let's be grace extenders toward others, and uh, let's be people of peace. Now, uh, it says in uh, verse 8, Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. Now, Paul was writing to this church in Rome. Paul had never been to Rome. Uh, James and Peter had never been there either. But there was an established, growing church, uh, probably meeting in several or quite a few homes in Rome, a good contingency. But they had been uh, heard about throughout the world. And so Rome was the cultural center of the world. It would be like New York City or Paris or something. And, and we hear that there's a church there that's making a difference, that's a loving God, impacting their sphere of influence. And uh, we say, we've heard about you guys. This is awesome. And so Paul goes on to say, God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. So Paul is being a a true apostolic father here. Um, He tells them that he shares this weight uh, of ministry and, and concern for them. It's, it's similar to parents being concerned uh, for their children, even though their children are grown and gone. A lot of you older uh, parents and your kids are older and out, you don't ever quit that concern uh, for them. Kids, you might think your parents are waiting until the day you turn 18 or until the day you go off to college. And then maybe one hand they are because they need that room for something else. Uh, but, <laughs> but they'll always have the weights of loving you and caring for you and being concerned. Verse 10, one of the things I always pray, Paul is a prayer for, is to see, is the opportunity, God willing to come and last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Paul's not just like laying out his qualifications, uh, but he's declaring his intention to help them grow and to bring something that would be substantial for them. And so when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. That's the verse we're going to key in today on encouragement. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. Now, in Roman times, there was anybody who had been uh, conquered by Rome, they were the civilized world. Everybody else were barbarians. And if you look in the, uh, some of the other translations, they say barbarians. So there's Romans, and then there's barbarians. And so that's what he was saying there. But this obligation that Paul had, uh, it wasn't like he owed them something that they had given to him. This obligation would be um, like, say, if somebody gave me a $100 bill to give to you, 
All right, I didn't originate with it, but I am obligated to give it to you, this gift, until I do, I'm under this obligation. Paul had received this mandate from the Lord, so he was obligated, he was under obligation to give and present this good news, this gift of the gospel to the world there. Verse 15, so I'm eager to come to you in Rome too to preach uh, the good news. So to Paul, the gospel wasn't just an initial call to faith. All right, here's the gospel. Now say yes to Jesus and you never have to worry about it again. No, it was, it was that and it was the process of continuing uh, our daily walks with God, growing in Jesus uh, until we take our last breath here on the earth. Remember, Romans is about the gospel and the gospel is about Jesus. <sighs> I encourage you to read, be reading in Romans. If you have a study Bible, read the little study notes. Read the Bible first and then read the study notes. Um, and you can get some good Bible programs online that don't cost anything. And if you pay a little bit, you can get some tremendous helps and, and, and get in there and study the Word uh, as we go together. Next week, Tyler's going to be preaching on the next two verses where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's going to be a great time. So I want to key in today on encouragement. This verse 12, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And so this thing about encouragement is a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, Jesus said in John 16, he said, uh, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Wow. Peace the peace of God is a big deal. Though the storm is raging, uh, we can still have this peace and confidence knowing that he's in control. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation. Are you encouraged about that? He, said, he didn't say you might have. He said you will have tribulation, but take courage. That's where encouragement comes uh, to be encouraged. I have overcome the world. So encouragement is, is a wonderful thing. I, this is one of my biggest things. So if people don't encourage me, sometimes I'll encourage myself. Uh, the Bible says, the Bible says uh, David refreshed himself in the Lord. There was a time when nobody was encouraging David so he, before the Lord. So whenever you see me take these, uh, these little, uh, what are they, throat lozenges before I preach, I'm usually uh, doing those, this, these little pep talks. Did you know there's little messages on there? Like, buckle down and push forward. You've survived tougher. How's that one? Power through. Don't give up on yourself like this. So I'm encouraging myself like this before we go through. There's a story told of Henry Ford when he was a, a young man. Um, he, uh, he was uh, working on this internal combustion engine when all the scientists, all the bigwigs of the day, all the car companies uh, were saying that the uh, electric car was the future. So he was at this uh, dinner meeting and he was talking about this and and his, uh, his, uh, one of his heroes was in attendance at this din dinner. It was Thomas Edison, the older inventor. And he was sitting a few chairs away, and uh, young Henry Ford was trying to explain this, this thing. And, and uh, uh, Thomas Edison was listening with interest. And finally, he scooted over, and he said, get a piece of paper and sketch out what you, what you have here. And so he did it, and then all of a sudden, Thomas Edison, he pounds his, his hand on the table and says, you got it, like this. And uh, so he understood 
what, what Ford was talking about. And years later, uh, Henry Ford said, the ability to encourage others is one of life's finest assets. And so to bring encouragement, to take courage uh, to people is a huge, huge thing. And it's all through Scripture. In First Thessalonians, Paul says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. People are being torn down, ripped up, chewed up, spit out every day. And, and we need to be an encouraging people, people that, that uh, bring encouragement, grace, and peace uh, wherever we go. In fact, uh, I, I believe uh, that believers in Christ should be the best encouragers out there. Sometimes we're the biggest sourpusses. We should be the best encouragers out there. Second uh, Corinthians 5.18, Paul talks about us being ministers of reconciliation. We're agents uh, of reconciliation, bringing people together all over and encouraging. Webster says that encouragement is to inspire with courage, to uh, spirit or hope, to spur on, to give help, all those kind of things. Uh, Proverbs 10.21, Solomon says, the lips of the righteous nourish many. Isn't that great? The lips of the righteous Righteous nourish many. Let's not be stingy with our words of encouragement. There's no reason to hold them back. It doesn't cost you anything. So, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But the one who prophesies... We had three prophetic words this morning. I don't know if you caught that, but that's the Spirit of God speaking to us as people, and you can either receive that or, or hold up a wall there and don't receive it. But if you receive that, it's going to bring you strength, it's going to bring you encouragement, it's going to bring you comfort. And that's the purpose of the prophetic. So when you leave this building, or whenever you leave your small group or a meeting with other believers, if you leave strengthened, encouraged, or comforted, that's the work of Almighty God in our midst. That's the Holy Spirit working in our midst, bringing uh, the prophetic, it's an adjective, working that through uh, our body. The Holy Spirit's power and presence is the reservoir from which we are encouraged and our encouragement toward others is given. All right? The Holy Spirit is the author and the reservoir that we draw from when we encourage others. So talking about uh, encouragement, number one, encouragement has healing qualities. Encouragement has healing qualities. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Brings encouragement and comfort and, and healing. Doctors say that patients in hospitals who have visitors tend to improve and heal more quickly. Do you know why? Because encouragement brings healing. It brings restoration. It's healthy for us. It's healthy for you to be an encourager. It's healthy for you to receive encouragement. Number two, 
Encouragement is the best environment for learning. Isn't that great? 1 Corinthians 14.31 For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. And so this, this great thing, if you want to be in a healthy, growing, learning environment, especially for your kids, encouragement is paramount. It's very, very important. It's, a, it's important in, in, our, in our workplace. Some of you have, have workplaces where that's not encouraging and that saps you. It drains you. And so pray that you can be the deposit, you can be the instigator, the spark uh, that creates a culture of encouragement in your workplace. I remember my dad encouraging me. Uh, he wrote me a letter that I still have uh, when I went into full-time ministry and just wrote out, you know, and he said, I'm so proud of you. Isn't that great to get something like that from your parents? I remember like the first time... Uh, he, he wasn't always that way, but, but when he did, it really meant something. Uh, when I was uh, younger, my dad had this great idea to buy a Christmas tree farm. I was already established. We lived in Canada for a couple years when I was in high school, and he was from Canada. So my mom, and he went in partners with the other guy, the other, the other lady. They went, ah, like this, what are you doing? Uh, but my brother and I liked it because we got to get out of school and go help him on it. And uh, we missed a few days of school, and we cut down trees. And then we loaded up. I remember one fall, we loaded up two train boxcars full of trees. I'll tell you what. You've seen a boxcar from the outside. If you haven't been in one, they are huge. <laughs> they are huge. You could put two levels in there and build an apartment, you know, like a 2,500-square-foot apartment. It's, they're huge when you're trying to put, okay, here's one tree. Okay, here's another one. And you stack them up tight to the ceiling anyway. So um, if you've ever been to a boxcar, the, just to get in is about this high. So my dad was trying to jump up in there, and I said, here, Dad. I, was, I think I was 14. I said, here, just you know, step in my hands. He goes, oh, you can't lift me. I said, yeah, I can. And I, he stepped right in there and just went <clears throat> like this. I didn't move, and he <clears throat> went right up. He didn't say a word. And a few days later, we were with a big group of people. And he goes, my son is stronger than me. And I went, oh, <laughs> oh like this. And uh, just something that's incredible. I remember that. That's like 100 years ago. And, and I remember that. You remember those times when people brought you encouragement and it grew and it swelled and it... It, there's, there's something healing and, 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 and facilitates learning, all these things. So uh, we can offer encouragement. You can encourage your kids to, to, to work for improvement, if, if not perfection. Sometimes we're perfectionists in this. No, you don't get it until you earn it. It's like 100%. No, actually, if they're improving, that's good. Jesus encourages us with improvement, and we're not perfect. We're on this road to perfection to become Christ-like, but he encourages us every step of the way. Let people work at their own speed. Stimulate, uh, General Eisenhower said, stimulate and support, don't push. Um, stressing cooperation um, and contribution rather than winning. We don't always have to win. I know it's out there. I know you sports people have to win, but much more important, I, I, I like to win. In fact, I don't like to participate in things unless I have a chance of winning. If I don't have a chance of winning, I'll just watch. Because I at least want to have that chance of winning. And so, that, uh, anyway. Number three, encouragement creates its own environment. Encouragement builds and builds and builds. 
And when I had you turn to each other a few minutes ago and say, you're a new creation, there was just this groundswell. And, and some of you meant it, and some of you didn't really know what I was doing, but there's an encouragement. I want to say, if you're in Jesus, you're a new creation. And what he's called you can, to do, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We, we define that over the summer. It's like, I can do this. God's called me to this. I can do this. And I want to encourage you in that, uh, to have an environment of encouragement. In Acts chapter 20, Paul says this, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight, seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep, like three or four of you are right now. <laughs> As Paul talked on and on, when, when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. I would love to have been in that room that night. I, I would love to think that I wouldn't be Eutychus who was in the windowsill and fell asleep. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again, broke uh, bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So, isn't that amazing? Suppose you're his family and you hear the story. You go, what? Like this. You bored our son to death. <laughs> Death by excessive preaching. <laughs> but a young man fell asleep, died, and the people were greatly encouraged because of what God did. Don't let your circumstances dictate whether or not you can receive encouragement and see what God is doing. Number four, encouragement lowers the casualty rate. Uh, there's statistics floating out there that there's between fifteen and 1,700 pastors a month leaving the ministry and part of that is because of attrition you know there's a lot of churches around so some are going to come in and some are going to leave but that's an awful lot but most pastors leave ministry uh, before retirement for for one main reason you know what the main reason is why they would leave ministry early is discouragement discouragement the opposite of encouragement and so uh, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. There was a study done a few, few years ago uh, by the Willow Creek Association and another group, I forget who they were, uh, that said about 80% of people need encouragement every day. That means, well done, good job, that a boy, whatever it is, some sort of encouragement, a note, a text, whatever, uh, every single day. Another 18% on top of that need uh, encouragement of some form at least every other day. So 80 plus 18 is 98. That's a big percentage of people. That's 49 out of 50. Need some form of encouragement every day. So it is normal 
to need encouragement and to receive and to benefit from encouragement. It's normal. God created us that way. The other 2%, I'm not quite sure about them. Maybe it's every fifth day. Maybe it's never. Maybe there are people like that. I don't know. Uh, But it's normal for people to need and receive uh, encouragement. Um, My friend, I have a friend who has a church in uh, Australia, actually. Uh, His name is Tony Rainbow. And he was sitting around with his elders, and one of his elders was kind of got high on his horse, and he said, you know what? I texted three people yesterday and encouraged them. And all three of them text back and say, you don't know what a big blessing this was. To receive a text, to be encouraged, it was perfect timing. And our, our friend Tony goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He goes, is there ever a bad time to encourage somebody? It's like, oh, I got this text. It was just wrong timing. They were trying to encourage me. Have you ever received a text? Goes, that was bad timing. Come on. Like this. It is always, always the right time to encourage somebody. When, and here's, here's the best program. Instead of putting it in a computer and quantifying it, putting it on a spreadsheet, why not use the old Holy Spirit told me program when God brings somebody to your mind, text them, write them, call them, visit them, go out for coffee. Somehow, someway, if you obey the Holy Spirit's promptings, everybody in this church will be encouraged. Don't let those faces appear before you and go through your mind week after week after week and go, somebody needs to go. No, actually God is saying, "Uh, uh, 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 you go encourage them. Number five, encouragement determines your course. Psalm 45, my heart overflows with a beautiful thought for my tongue is like the pen of a skillful poet. It's great. Our heart, that's, that's the center of our being, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's the center of who we are. It's the inside. It's the center of our insides, our thoughts, and in our in our attitudes and things like that. And it also, our heart also is how we're positioned toward Jesus, and He always wants us positioned toward Him. That's why He's after our heart. So here's a a few suggestions uh, for us. Number one. My, that same friend, Tony Rainbow, uh, gave us an illustration. He said, a lot of Christians, if you looked at their face, you would never know it. They're sour. They're disgusted. All these kind of things. He says, most people, most Christians need to go to Walmart and buy a bigger pair of underwear. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, we're just getting real here because God did not create us to be free and to put prisons on people with our actions and our words, but to be agents of reconciliation. So number one, lighten up. Number one, lighten up as believers. Let's lighten up. Um, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Where is that joy of the Lord that we're talking about? In his presence is fullness of joy. That's where you get it. Sorrow lasts for uh, a night, but joy comes in the morning. This joy, this unspeakable joy, is not happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy is deep-seated and rooted, and it's firm in our knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we ought to overflow with joy, regardless of our circumstances. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
I've overcome the world, Jesus said. Proverbs 17, 22, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Number two, think about good things. Think about good things. Life is great. Yeah, we've had challenges. Thank God for the last breath you took and that there's going to be another one there in a moment. There's all kinds of things to be glad about and, and thank God for. <coughs> Philippians 4.8. This is a verse, parents, you should teach to your kids. It's good for you too. Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or anything worthy of praise, think about those things. So when your kid wants to go to an R-rated movie and they're only eight years old, all my friends are going, have them memorize this verse to you. Repeat it back. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Does that fit in with that? Junior? Uh, no. You're not going. Because there's a lot of yucky out there. And we're going to concentrate on the good. What God's doing. What God's doing in people's lives. What He's doing in my life the beautiful creation that he gave us. All, there's all kinds of good things to think about. Number three, speak redemptively. Saturate your words with hope. I encourage our small groups, I encourage this church that we want to create and sustain. We have a great one already, but get even better at it. A culture of affirmation. A culture of affirming each other looking for, searching for uh, good things that we can affirm and encourage. And, and when, you get, when you get encouraged, say if you're small group, I, I'd recommend small groups doing this, if not every meeting, almost every meeting. Pick someone in the group and have them sit in the center of the room. And if they're a couple, maybe uh, a couple or an individual, and say, okay, let's go around and let's affirm whoever this is sitting here. There's a couple rules. One is the person speaking has to look at them and the one receiving has to look back. It's not like that. And you can't... There's this thing about receiving uh, affirmation. Sometimes we we go, Oh, that's not me. No, it's all just because of Jesus. Of course it's because of Jesus. You wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Jesus. But just look at somebody and say thanks. Thank you very much. And find good and, and encourage people. A lot of times people never, ever, ever hear anybody say anything encouraging to them. Paul sent Timothy just so that people would be strengthened and encouraged. Uh, because we desperately uh, need that. First Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Number four, speak words of life. If anybody knows me, they know that this is like one of my top three things uh, in life. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Remember, James says that our little tongue, ladies, you're going to study this, our little tongue is like a rudder. It's a small rudder, but it turns a giant ocean liner. Uh, the, the rudder does it. Our tongue has the ability to speak words of life and words of death. That is a big, big deal. It's a big deal. God created this universe. With his words, let there be light. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He calls himself the Word. 
He created the universe with his words. And then he created us in his image. I'll tell you what, if his words are important and we're created in his image, our words are important. Dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Do you think those are words of death or words of life? Those are words of life. Now, our words have they're a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. And so, too often, all too often, the words that come out of our mouth are destructive and they're death-bringing, dream-shattering. Let's speak words of life that will encourage and build each other up. It's strange to me. Probably the, wor- the worst things I've ever said to human beings are to people in my own family the people that I love the most. Why is that? Why is that? Because the devil hates you. He hates your family. He hates your relationships. And that tongue, boom, is this agent of what's in our heart. Ask God to deal with what's in your heart because what's coming out of here is what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. Ask him to change your heart so that your words will follow. You'll be an agent of reconciliation and, and a bringer of encouragement. I remember when several years ago, one of our elders' wives in a, in a meeting goes, My husband rocks! Those are encouraging words. Those are encouraging words. Especially because guys like respect. They like those kind of things. But you can ask God to give you words that will build up and not tear down. Romans 12.1 I'm eager to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. In this way, each of us will be a blessing to the other. How can God use you today to bring encouragement? How can God use you today to create an atmosphere of strength, encouragement, comfort so that it will be ripe for the gospel to be planted in people's hearts? Let's be uh, bringers of encouragement to each other and receive encouragement well. Father, thanks for this word today. Thank you. I'm so grateful, God, that you're so practical and that you get down to the nitty-gritty of things that we as human beings who you created... You know the things we need. God, help us to be bringers of encouragement. Help us to be speakers of words of life, words that will build up and then bring encouragement to one another. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. You know, a lot of times we look at God as the judge sitting on the in, on his seat, dispensing judgment and punishment and penalty, maybe partly because we know we deserve it. And yet, he really wants to give grace and gifts, undeserved gifts and favor and life to us. And it's not because we deserve that. It's because Jesus went to